and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 132nd episode, our returning guest is Brandon Chapman. You first heard Brandon Chapman on episode 14 when he appeared alongside Josh Sigler and his first solo appearance on episode 97. Brandon Chapman is a sports podcaster who resides in Peru, Indiana with his wife, Abby. He graduated from IUK in May of 2018 with a BS in communication with a concentration in public speaking. His show, Sounding Off, is recorded from the 1350 AM WIOU studio and drops new episodes every Sunday afternoon. And now, on to the show. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for coming back on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the invite. I think the last time we talked was uh, when you were breaking the Lamy news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit ago, but yeah, a lot's happened since then, and you haven't been on this podcast for almost a year now, so I thought there was a lot to catch up on, so. That's very true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, your uh, your podcast is going gangbusters. I'm very jealous of some of the strides you've made, so congrats on that, man. I'll tell you what, man, I've, I've, I've been working extraordinarily hard at it. Uh, I, I've given you praise for it before because without me picking your brain, I mean, you kind of started it a little before me and I've kind of, I, I piggybacked off you just picking your brain and getting a lot of insight in there. And I've just kind of been doing everything I can on my own to try to grow it into what it is. And, and so far we're having some success. Yeah, you're having a lot of success for sure. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is you've been branching out uh, into interviewing high school athletes, especially. Um, so what started you doing that? Well, to be honest, you know, doing it out of the station to, to gain the viewership and the listenership that I'm after, the, I mean, people love to see their, their family and their friends in the radio station and do, be an interview and everything like that. So that's, that was kind of, once we got out of the basement and we went to the station, that was kind of the plan all along. Um, but I was trying to do everything kind of status quo and professional until somebody I really respected in the area, he told me, he's like, do you think we get permission to interview people? And I go, oh, I never thought of it that way. He goes, do what you have to do to get interviews. And so that's what I did. Uh, kids really enjoy coming on. I, I think they have tremendous stories. And, and for me, Rob, you know, you go, like even as a journalist, I think you can respect this. Uh, although you're not a huge sports guy, when you look in the sports section, especially like the Kokomo Tribune and stuff like that, there's always quotes from coaches. There's quotes from 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 people who aren't playing the game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, these kids have tremendous stories. Some of them have great backgrounds. You know, how do they get to this point? I give them a platform to discuss that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really it's really kind of gotten my love of high school sports going again, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. And you called some games when you're doing your internship, right? I, I did. That was kind of the whole start. You know, I got to really meet some of the kids through football that I was calling games. And that was kind of my end. That's what kind of started it because I was able to like meet those kids and be like, hey, man, you want to come to the studio? And of course, a 16, 17, 18 year old kid is like, this is the coolest thing. Heck, yeah, I want to come in the radio. And so they come in, we hang out. And I've, I've built some really good relationships. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I've been, you know, pleasantly surprised because, you know, I not only was I uh Am I a journalist now? But I was also an education major, and I've been a teacher in the past. And I do know that it's hard. And I've been an education reporter too. And and I know it's hard to interview kids a lot of the time, and and they're not used to answering kind of extemporaneously, just go off the dome, you know, about things. Because most people don't even ask them what their opinion. Like you said, they talk to the coaches. They don't really talk to the kids. So a lot of them may not be necessarily media trained uh, to get to start with. So and and you know. I can count on one hand 
how many interviews that I wish I could do over or just not do at all. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, of all the interviews I've done, I mean, that's pretty good. Most of these kids, for whatever reason, these kids feel comfortable coming in and talking to me and my co-host Mojo. And because, I mean, we're kind of still big kids at heart. So I feel like we relate to them. We keep it really lighthearted. I'm not asked, I'm not out there to do like gotcha journalism. I'm not trying to get a quote from them. I'm not getting them. I'm not trying to get them to like throw a coach under the bus. I'm just trying to highlight, you know, their experiences and their abilities. And uh, they get there a little early. We chat them up a little bit just to make them feel comfortable. And uh, we've had pretty good success in that regard. That's cool. You haven't had any parents being like, why did you ask my son that? <laughs> no, but I have had some parents ask me why their kids haven't been interviewed. Oh, well, that's so a good I, problem to have. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have had that. And, and beforehand, that was kind of the red tape that I was dealing with mm-hmm. in the uh, aspect of I was going through somebody who was setting the interviews up for me. Uh, I have now bypassed that, and I reach mm-hmm. out to tons of kids. I reach out to kids weekly. Some are interested, some aren't, but the ones that come on are usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always that, uh, easier to ask for forgiveness and permission, and you just got to go and, and do what you have to do to get the interview. I definitely agree with that. So, And that is kind of what I was told. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I was like, yeah, it's always better to ask uh, forgiveness. And I was like, yeah. okay, that's cool. Absolutely. But um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because I feel like you always have the same conversation with these athletes when you first start talking to them. You're like, get closer to the mic there. You know, you're always like, you know, let's talk into the mic. Start with well, just the basic and, stuff. And, you know? and I'm <laughs> telling you, man, it's like clockwork. Every time we get in there, like I set the mics up and I demonstrate, <laughs> I show them. Almost get up there like you're gonna eat the microphone. Uh-huh. And then uh, every time they always start way back, I'm like, scoot it up, scoot it yep. up. And yep. uh, but mo- most of them do pretty good and they get it figured out. But you know, doing the whole Facebook live and having it to where people are watching them, mm-hmm. I get it. There's nerves. I mean, these kids are like, okay, like I've never been interviewed before. So here I am, you know, I'm just like, I'm just keeping it light. I always kind of, I don't give them any questions ahead of time, but I kind of tell them like the flow and kind of what my attention is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way they feel comfortable. Cause the last thing I need is a kid going in there and just kind of, first of all, flying off the cuff and saying something that I don't want them to say. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not trying to get a story. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's the one thing I, I mean, I, I've, I've always tried to be very adamant about, I'm not trying to create a story. I'm trying to kind of a profile piece, mm-hmm. essentially a fluff piece, just getting some recognition for these kids. And, uh, I, I haven't had too much of an issue. I'll tell you what though. There are tons of kids who after the interviews off the record, they tell me a lot of things and I mm. take them to the grave with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, I, I have to say the one, uh, high school athlete, one that I really enjoyed was the uh, Kokomo uh, football players that you had in there. It was like, oh, I, I think oh, it was like five man. or six of them. That oh, one yeah. was like, I almost went back and listened to that twice. I was like, that's hilarious. Those kids are great. <laughs> those, those kids, when you have personalities, it makes them so much easier. And, and you've been doing this a long time, Rob, mm-hmm. between the, the newspaper stuff and you've conducted mm-hmm. so many interviews when you've got somebody who, who wants to engage and they have a personality and that's something you can play off of. It makes your job a million times easier because you don't have to go fishing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you just it, when, when someone's willing to talk, oh, my God, you just let them go. Oh, yeah. No, I'll prepare. You know, even I even for this interview, I'll prepare like, you know, 15 to 20 questions. But there's been interviews. Yeah, I've, I've asked maybe three questions in an hour and I didn't even it's like I did. Why, why did I even prepare for this? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I create a script for every interview mm-hmm. and sometimes it, it, it flows perfectly. Sometimes it jumps around and sometimes I just essentially throw it out. So, I mean, yeah, it's always, I I always would rather be way prepared than uh, sitting there going, 
um okay what do you think about this like no like uh, that, that's not how i'm trying to roll but also at the same time too guys like you guys like sigler uh you are the guys who i've picked your brains and followed you doing you know the journalism stuff so mm-hmm. so thank you i, I oh, give yeah. you guys credit for whatever i guess you'd call it success or you know the building blocks of what i'm laying down here but yeah i credit you guys tremendously Oh, well, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, one thing I haven't been brave enough to do is something you do all the time is you mentioned it a little bit, the Facebook Live. Um, What started you doing that? And, you know, that seems like you guys, I I never watch it live. I always save it up for like when I'm taking out the trash or whatever or on the way Mm -hmm. to work. or I I never like watch it when it's happening. I'm like, all right, it's good. It's happening. I'll listen to it later. But there's apparently an audience that just wants to see it happening. It's the sausage getting made. There, there's people who like to interact and they like to comment on our conversations that we're having throughout mm-hmm. the show. Uh, for, for me and Mojo, when we were still just doing it out of the basement, it was something we tried to kind of spice up the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, since we've done it in the studio, people enjoy it. People like mm-hmm. to see – I don't think they like to see me or Mojo, but they definitely <laughs> like to see the athletes who are in there. And, you know, when I look at videos that we've done with the, with the interviews with the kids – they are very comparable in numbers compared to what like the Z925 radio station does and what other mm-hmm. stations. Are. I mean, so, so we're, we're having success with little to no marketing other than ourselves, kind of like a guerrilla campaign, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Facebook Live has been tremendous to take us to the next step because for whatever reason, I mean, I, I get it. People want to interact as you're sitting there because th- when you're creating content, this is just my perception, the way I think about it. When you're creating content, it's not for me. And it's, it's not necessarily for the person I'm interviewing. I'm, I, I have an audience, and I want to produce something great for them. So if they have questions, it's a perfect time for them to do the – when doing the Facebook Live that you kind of get to ch- – they get to chime in and give their two cents or ask questions. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you, it is hard as hell sometimes when I'm so engaged in a conversation with somebody, and I'm trying to monitor the Facebook Live. I'm trying to catch the questions. I'm trying to do that. Uh, it's a major hassle. But at the same time, too, it's it's really launched us into Howard County in that community. And, you know, we're gaining likes every week on the Facebook page. Uh, people I got people DMing me all the time. I mean, we're, we're making strides in that way. And I contribute a lot of that to Facebook Live. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, people people do love watching that, but uh, yeah, you've uh, you've had some pretty big uh, interviews this year, and uh, let's let's start with Jeff Perlman. That was that was a huge one. Uh, explain who he is, and you know, I, I knew of the story that he was famous for originally. Uh, actually, <laughs> I was familiar with that because did you ever see the Will Ferrell uh, SNL uh, John Rocker impression he did? I don't think I have. I, oh, I might be a little I'll send it to one. you. It's so funny. But anyway, I only knew it because, because of that. And then I realized later that it was because of Jeff Perlman that he broke that story. But anyway, go ahead. Explain who he is and then how you got that interview. Well, for one, you know, my background, I started doing journalism in, in college. It was something I really had an interest in. And like I said, being friends with you and Sigler, I've, I've got to get some tremendous experiences watching and learning from you guys covering that. Now, while I went a different direction other than journalism, I still try to pride myself in kind of like how you guys handle yourself in the business aspect of it. So with that said, Jeff Perlman, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He writes sports books, uh, sports stories, and he's basically – his claim to fame kind of is the John Rocker from back in the 90s. He worked for Sports Illustrated at the time, and he did the piece that came out about John Rocker being a racist and just kind of that mm. horrendous behavior that John Rocker is essentially known for now. Mm-hmm. And so Twitter is an amazing place to go and get people's attention. Mm-hmm. I just happened to reach out to Jeff Perlman. I DM'd him. 
I go, hey, I'm a big fan. Uh, he was in the process of promoting his book, uh, USFL, or, or Football for a Buck, The Rise and Fall of the USFL. And so I was like, hey, man, I, I'm a big fan. I would really like to pick your brain and interview you. And he's like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And, mm. and, and, he, and he's always made himself – uh, accessible on Twitter and social media. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like he was a, it was a good opportunity. I wasn't super confident in it, but I was like, there's a good chance that he could see this. He'll respond one way or the other. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we kind of had some scheduling conflicts happen, but finally we hammered it down. We actually booked it. I was semi intoxicated on a golf course <laughs> and uh, me and Mojo were in a golf tournament scramble for, for a charity and I'm messaging, I'm DMing Jeff Perlman, and he goes, well, let's do it tonight. And I told him a time, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I go, okay, time to stop drinking, time to sober up. And I've got to, <laughs> I, I start immediately making a list. I had like six or seven holes to go left in the golf tournament. I immediately start making a list on my phone of the notes of like what I want to ask him. And mm-hmm. so it kind of all came together really quickly. And so that interview I'm really, really proud of because I mm-hmm. think – the best thing uh, for me and what really gets me excited is when I interview these guys who are celebrities to me and guys I really admire, they DM me or text me afterwards and they're like, hey, that was a great interview. You know, you ask great questions. Keep doing what you're doing mm-hmm. because sometimes it can be deflating. Like I'm kind of like, man, I've been doing this almost three years now. I'm not where I want to be. And it's kind of sometimes it's hard to keep going. But when guys like that say, hey, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it right, that that meant a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he was really open to that. Um, I actually have his book. I still DM him. He always responds. I'm actually sending the jacket of his book out to him for him to autograph, and I'm sending him a sounding off shirt. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I thought it was good that you you seemed like you asked him questions that maybe other people didn't, you know, because if you're a person that's well-known like that, and especially if you're somebody that's well-known for, like, one specific thing, you know, right. and you don't want to necessarily recount the same story a thousand times. So if you can find a new, get a new bite at the apple, so to speak, I think that's always good because you don't want just the rehearsed. You want, you want, I mean, I think the goal with your interview should always be, what can I get that no one else can get? And what can we talk about that no one else has talked about? You want new information and I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're the same way. Like you're going to ask somebody and the best thing you can do uh, for me is when you're going to interview somebody and you make them think. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I used to get kind of like uncomfortable with like the awkward silence in interviews when I was doing them, like in recording mm-hmm. them. But mm-hmm. that means they're thinking and that means mm-hmm. it's not a rehearsed answer. They haven't been asked that before. And that makes me feel good. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you feel the same way when you mm-hmm. get somebody and you get that real thinking look on their face. You're like, I got them like th- mm-hmm. this is this is what I'm doing my job for. Mm hmm. Right. And I think it's good to create space in an interview like that. Cause it's not like people are going to turn it off after like two seconds of silence. You know, they're going to be like, what is it? Wait, what's going to happen? Like there's, they're still like, they're compelled to keep, you know, it's not like you have to fill every second with, you know, <laughs> with sound or whatever. <laughs> so. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just sit there and there's kind of the awkward silence. I count to three or four and I go, and this is the awkward silence that I have to fill in <laughs> while they're thinking about their answers. Or right, sometimes on the I'll radio, go, right? Yeah, I'll do like Jeopardy and be like, do, do, do. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. And the kids all get a good laugh at it and everything uh-huh. like that. So, right. uh, but yeah, Jeff Perlman, that's the one that I hang my hat on, man. I, I'm really, I, I, I don't pat myself on the back often. I, I just, mm-hmm. I just don't. But that interview, I landed it. I was so happy with it. I thought it was as professional as I could be, and it had tremendous questions. That was Mojo's first big interview, uh, being mm-hmm. a part of it, and I, I think it could not have gone better than what it did. 
Yeah, let me just say about Mojo, man. I was skeptical about him in the beginning. He's grown on me like a fungus, man. I, it's 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 hard to describe. Like I guess I guess it was because I came to it when you guys were still uh, raw and untamed and un you know unhousebroken right. un- 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 or whatever. And I was mm-hmm. like, who is this wild man? Like, why is he talking? Like, but then like after the after a while, like I I, I love his his little phrases and like a plain and simple. I, I think plain and simple should be your uh, your new tagline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you, man when we started doing it, obviously me and Sig were doing it. We decided to bring Mojo in. And I used to always joke around and tell everybody, like everybody needs that friend. Who's kind of a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And, and Mojo would joke about it. And I was like, you're our train wreck. Uh, but as you know, the, the, the dynamic changed Mojo and I kept doing it. Sig kind of, he decided to step away. Mojo and I moved to the studio. Mojo has been putting the work in, like mm-hmm. he puts the effort in and he doesn't just agree with me. He plays devil's advocate He's really, without any formal training or whatsoever, I mean, interviews are still a constant practice. And that is for mm-hmm. me, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just always wanting to do better than last time. But, yeah, Mojo has just really grown into this role. And I will say this one thing. You know, I give you so much credit, Rob, because you do your stuff one-on-one when you do your interviews and everything mm-hmm. like that. And that's not something that I can do. I don't necessarily like doing that, although I do do them sometimes with the mm-hmm. athletes just based off scheduling. But me and Mojo, it, it works as a duo in the way that we do it. And it has it continues to grow and he continues to get more and more polished. And I agree. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I mean, and we keep it PG, sometimes PG thirteen rated, but he does so well at still being funny and still contributing in a way that I need him to, without it being like really watered down or tamed or anything like that. And he's still kind of unpredictable. <laughs> I agree. I mean, you guys definitely play off each other well. And, and, you know, I can always tell when he's about to launch into something, uh, you know, (laughs) you hear that like he's just about he's getting together in his strength. He starts starts huffing and puffing like, yeah, he's ready to go. (laughs) Absolutely. But uh, one of the other big interviews that you got just recently here was Bob Kravitz. And I know that one took some doing to get uh, done, but I felt like when you actually got it done, it was actually better than when you first were going to do it because it coincided with some breaking news on his part. So it actually worked out for the best. I thought, yeah, I thought it worked out originally. Uh, Bob Kravitz said, I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And he, he blew me off. And for part of, for, for a couple of weeks, I kind of swore Bob Kravitz is like my mortal enemy. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'll, I'll get you, Bob. I will. One of these days. Yeah. And so one day I just kind of had some downtime and I reached out to him. I was like, Hey Bob missed you a couple of weeks ago. And he was very apologetic. He's like, I am so sorry. He was dealing with some stuff. I mean, there was kind of, you know, he was going through uh, the, the the leaving of WTHR. Uh, his father had passed away. Like, he was dealing with some stuff. So I totally understood. And he was super uh, apologetic and super professional. And when we, we hooked up for the interview, it was only like a 20, 25-minute interview. And I didn't want to waste any minute of it because, I mean, he was so gracious with his time. And so I tried to just hit all the important parts and I thought it was fantastic. I, I was very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And he went to the athletic, uh, which yes. is a, yeah, which is a pay it's, it's behind a paywall, right? They just scoop up all the best sports writers in an area and, and put it behind a paywall basically. And, and they're having success. That, that mm-hmm. That's what's been kind of surprising to me mm-hmm. is there's a lot of people who are flocking to that. And I think it says something when you have all these outlets like ESPN, sports illustrated, the Indy star and WTHR stuff like that. when, you can't pay your top talent. There's, there's a place for them to go. And there's a reason they're being let go. It's, be, it's not because they're too, they're, they're not good at their job. It's because they cost too much money. 
So, right. Well, I mean, the Indy Star just let go, or the offered buyout packages to six of their longest-serving people, and it's I'm sure because it costs more to keep somebody who's been that long, you know. Just oh because, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, definitely. But well, and, uh, I, I think that that's that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and the one thing too, and I appreciate it, and Bob Kravitz even appreciated this, was the fact of he can write whatever he wants. It can be long form, short form. There's mm-hmm. no restrictions. He doesn't have to bleep out any language. He gets to work on these pieces 100% as he wants. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't write, he doesn't get paid. So, right, I mean, yeah. it's it, I, I think it's a it's a great opportunity. I, I really enjoy The Athletic from what I've seen and what I follow and what I read. Uh, they're, they're, they're picking up tremendous talent as they go, and I think it's a really good uh, – that they're showing the paywall works. Mm-hmm. I, they're, they're, not the, they're not out there gouging people for money and getting advertisers and stuff like that, but people are willing to pay – for quality content, mm-hmm. but it's the content of your choice. This mm-hmm. isn't like the Indianapolis star where you're just getting what headlines and all that stuff. Like right. when you're going to get in the athletic, it's to, okay. In the, in the area, it's to follow the Pacers. It's to follow the Colts. It's, I mean, you're getting specifically what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely. And, and, you know, you can get things for free, but I think people are realizing more and more, which does give me hope for what we're trying to do, especially it's like, sure you can get stuff for free, but it's like, you have to support things you like, or they won't be there. And you have to like, you know, you have to make things be in existence or they won't be in existence. And that's what I think when you look at what we're doing, I mean, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like how, like how do you make the decision? How do you make the move? What's the move to try to monetize or try to, you know, for me, I'm just looking at it. Like I just want to cover my costs. Sure. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to make money. I mean, I haven't made a penny doing this in almost Mm-mm. three years. Mm-mm. I mean, I've, I've got a long tally of, of, of money that I've spent on this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is coming to the point where how long does this keep going? Mm-hmm. How long do I keep going at this rate? And, you know, I've had conversations with people at the radio station. I'm trying to work towards whether I'm allowed to go and get sponsors or they start helping me out in some way or whatever. But that's the move. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I can't sit here and say a year from now, sounding off will still be going on unless we get some changes. No, yeah, I mean that's totally understandable. And you know, if you take the example of Bob Kravitz, he had it, he had an audience pre-built because he had that job at the Indy Star. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like he made that move from there to there, and we're trying to come up from the ground up. You know, so that's right. a different, that's a different scenario. Yeah. So I totally understand that, but. Um, so I wanted to talk about, uh, well, speaking of which, uh, money, uh, fantasy sports, uh, that's another thing you guys have been moving into. Um, what is your relationship with this? What is his name? Kaz, the person Kaz, that you, Kaz okay. Kalita, hashtag yeah, okay. the golden goose. <laughs> um, no, Kaz is a, he's a guy who is a numbers guy. He's a very okay. analytics guy. I guess his background is he used to call in to some radio stations like in Texas or whatnot, some ESPN stations, and do kind of some fantasy stuff. And he's a he's someone that Mojo knows, and that's kind of how it all started. You know, we mm. reached out to him and just about kind of like some fantasy stuff, and, and we did it more as just like a ploy to kind of draw some attention. And we did. I mean, we we really garnered uh, some some more follows to us, and we kind of got a community of guys involved in the fan duel and the picks and everything like that. So uh, it, it's been well. I mean, he's out of the kindness of his heart. He's just a numbers guy. It's what kind of gets him off to an extent, and so that's what he does. He's looking at the analytics for weekly matchups, puts out a lineup. I mean, he doesn't guarantee anything, but you know, he gives us lineups, and a lot of us have uh, made pretty good money, uh, some side money off of his picks. 
Mm -hmm. Right, right. Now, is this something where if you don't know anything about sports, you should just like follow his stuff and then you just make money? Or is this like you should already know something about sports to begin with? That's the good thing. Like his lineup is the lineup. Like you fill Mm -hmm. it out to a T. Like we've had some people who uh, are fairly inexperienced with fantasy come in. And as long as you follow the lineup and you follow the changes that he gives you before the game starter, when, when changes come up, yeah. Now, what, what I do say is you kind of – you've got to explore and learn what contest you want to be on. You don't want to sit there and be like, well, I don't know anything about fantasy football, so I'm going to go get a $100 contest. Okay, that, that, that's dumb. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. I mean, it, it's very and, – and also, too, Kaz has always been open to any questions from anybody, and likewise with Mojo and I. When people have asked us questions, hey, what contest do you do? I mean, we're completely transparent with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, right, so right. It, it's kind of turned into like a group or a little community of guys who we all like wall we'll DM each other a little bit and kind of talk or like if a lineup comes out and we don't kind of we, we made a couple of people have made the mistake of when the lineup comes out, they didn't like the lineup. And I'll admit I did this one time. We changed the lineup on our own and it failed miserably. <laughs> and Kaz's lineup did awesome. So it's kind of like, you know, you trust the golden goose. And when we talked about it, out of 17 NFL weeks, I think three weeks, I didn't make money. Mm-hmm. That's unprecedented. Kaz was even like, he's like, that never happens. He's like, we were extremely lucky this year. He goes, usually if you win 11 out of 12 or 11 or 12 weeks, that's usually normal for him. But we had a really good year. Right, right. Now, do you think this is gambling, though? Uh, I, I, I don't. Because it really takes some kind of skill right i mean there's skill involved but there's also chance i don't know it it, se- it seems like on the line to me i can't really figure out it takes a not i mean we're not talking spreads we're not talking i i mean i look at it more or less of a math problem because for me you know i'm really in depth into like the sports and i, and I know i follow the nfl pretty extensively so it's kind of like i know offenses i know targets i know kind of like that style of stuff. So, so like a game plan that, and so what you're doing is you're just trying to solve the math. You're trying to take the math problem. And at this week, who's going to perform the best. So, I mean, it's, some people might consider it gambling, but in the end, it's nothing that we're doing has an effect, or I guess nothing like a wins and losses has an effect on us. We're Mm. strictly player related. And that's kind of, I mean, I don't know. And even if it is gambling, to be honest, it doesn't bother me one bit. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's a question for the legislature. (laughs) I've I've got no problem with, see, here's the problem. When you want to talk about gambling and legislature, the only thing they want to regulate is their cut. They don't care if someone's making money off sports. They want their cut. It's the same conversation about marijuana legalization and everything like that. <laughs> the government wants their cut. Exactly. But at yeah, the same so, time, too, it, well, just to, just to finish up on the fantasy, mm-hmm. my knowledge of players and offenses and everything like that, I, I'm pretty confident in that. When mm-hmm. Vegas sets odds and overs, unders, spreads, stuff like that, I have zero faith in that <laughs> because that's somebody that you're, you're talking about total offenses and stuff like that. I don't trust that, but I can mm-hmm. look at a lineup and say, okay, this, I, this doesn't mean anything to you, but for me, I can look and I go, okay, here's a number one receiver going against a third ranked or a third string cornerback. That wide receiver is going to have a hell of a day, like that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's, the information is out there. There's no hidden tricks on it. If you do the legwork, you can get all the same information that we do. We're fortunate enough, though, to have Kaz Kalita, who does all the work for us, and uh, he just gets his jollies off on doing the numbers. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me. Have you ever seen the movie Casino? Yes. 
uh, uh, it's, it kind of reminds me of the beginning when uh, Robert De Niro is like placing his bets and everyone watches him place the bets and then they run to tell everyone else what bet he plays so that they can oh, do yeah. it too and make all the oh, money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. the same. hundred percent. There's actually a new uh, app out that you can follow because there's, there's a lot of celebrities anymore who are endorsing um, uh, gambling and kind of their picks and everything like that. There's now an app where you can go and follow a bunch of guys and it will tell you their picks on every game. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. And I think you're seeing these organizations partner up like MGM is the official uh, gambling casino of like certain teams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like major league sports are starting to embrace it because they can get a cut. They're like, mm -hmm. Oh, if we partner up with these people, we can make our money. <laughs> Does this ruin the whole team loyalty aspect because you're following players from one week to the next though you know i i've been playing fantasy football oh 16 17 years now and that wasn't for money that was just fantasy football in general uh you it does you know mojo has said like fantasy football has hurt him in that regard like all he cares about during the regular season now is Fanduel and whether he's winning money or not but don't mm -hmm. get me wrong we got wild card weekend this weekend and i'm gonna be wearing my colts gear and i'm gonna be sure. cheering hardcore for that Absolutely. Uh, I, I, i'm still a fan i i I might have players on other teams that I really like just because like I get more involved in the players. Uh, like when I'm looking for fantasy, I'm kind of following them a little more personally. So you learn more about players on other teams and yeah, you, you find guys you're like, Oh, that's really cool. I really like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Right. Now, I have to tell you, Chap, this has been all been a big ruse because this is actually an intervention because I have to tell you, you should not get a tattoo of Purdue on your ass. <laughs> Please don't do this. I'm telling you, this is a bad – as somebody that graduated from Indiana University, I cannot let you do this in good conscience. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Rob. I've got myself an Indiana degree as well. Uh, and if, well, wait. If, well, come on, man. What are you doing then? <laughs> well, no. If, if I was ever going to – if I was ever going to get – a Purdue tattoo, it would go on my ass. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. <laughs> because that's exactly where Purdue would belong in my hierarchy is on my ass. And so I've told people this. Like, I, I, I'm going to go through with it just because I'm a man of my word. I, I can't have everybody coming at me, calling me trash and, 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 and all that stuff. So I am going to get it. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to go on my butt. I've already negotiated it with my wife. She's not thrilled with it. Uh, but that is where it would go. Now, okay, but I gotta ask you this: Why do you hate Ohio State so very much? You know, this I may still live in a fantasy land where I think uh, good behavior and morals should prevail. And okay. Ohio State, for the better part of their last two, three coaching regi regimes, that has not been the case. Um, mm. And especially when it comes to you know the violence of women and and stuff in that regard. I think I want these universities to be held accountable and I, the NCAA is the biggest racket of, of all that some people think religion is the biggest. No, no, no. The, the NCAA is the, the NCAA is the biggest crook hundred mm percent. -hmm. And I just, the Ohio state for years of my fanhood, I hate everything they stand for. I hate everything that they've done. And when you look at the whole Urban Meyer situation, and even dating back to you know he had a he had a killer on his team in Florida. There was domestic mm. violence stuff in Florida that he did nothing about. I think he's a slime ball. Mm -hmm. And for Ohio State to not like you had a hundred you had a you had an out. You you could do the right thing, mm -hmm. and you chose not to. And then look what's happening. He's retired. Like you could have fired him and you could have made an example, but no. You you tucked your tail between your legs. 
you gave in to him, and now he's going to ride off to like a hero's welcome or, or a hero's send off over there in Columbus. It's garbage. Garbage. Right. Well, I, you know, I was researching it because, of course, you know, you're my primary source of sports information in the world. <laughs> uh, and, you know, basically the way I feel about it is if, if you look the other way on that type of thing, I feel like you're just as bad as the person who did it. Like, it's, it, there's no difference to me, honestly. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that's the way I feel. Anytime you're going to come down with domestic violence and you knew about it and you like. Your wins, you're you're selling your soul for wins versus losses. I, I I'm sorry. At the end of the day, when I lay down and sleep at night, I sleep pretty well because I, I I've got my convictions and how I how I feel on things and how I believe in things. These some of these coaches, I get it. It's a business. I 100% get that. Mm-hmm. But you want to send a message about you know teaching these kids and how to be men? We're we're sending an extremely poor message in that regard at a lot of schools. Mm-hmm. You know, the NCAA investigated an academic fraud allegation in North Carolina for five years. You had tons of people wanting to speak to the NCAA that the NCAA chose not to speak to. Mm -hmm. So and then they come out and say, well, we have no evidence. You have no evidence because you chose not to. Mm -hmm. Like this is my problem with college sports. You want to use all these kids and use all their images to profit your school. And then you just want to throw them away, and I, I don't know. You, I'm going on a tangent. I apologize. No, that's what the, that's what this podcast is for, man. Tangents. That's all it is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if you ever see a, there's a map I saw once of the highest paid public employee in every state, and like 30 states, it was the high school or the college football coach of the largest university in that state. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's it's the mo- the money is too big not to have people compromise their morals. And if you're talking about the NCAA, they're just you know they're basically incentivizing bad behavior by dangling these you know huge you know payouts to these people for you know whatever. It's it's just right. it's insane. So. There's a there's a coach down at Auburn. He coaches football. Gus Malzahn. He has a 32 million dollar buyout. That's so for insane. Auburn so so for Auburn to buy him, to to fire him, they would write him a check for 32 million dollars. This is absurd, but we've got players. So, I mean, granted, it's I don't come out here and think the players are mistreated in that regard or anything like that, but these kids aren't making a penny. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, they, they, I've done numerous conversations about this, like being a Division One athlete is a full-time job, and to treat these kids like, oh, well, it's an education. Come on. Most of these kids at these big, at these big institutions are taking basket weaving 101. Let's mm-hmm. not act like you're giving them an education. Get out of here. Right. And you're doing them a disservice because by the time they actually get out, you know, you have a very short shelf life uh, comparably to other careers when you 100%. actually are a professional athlete. And if you get out of that and you don't know anything, then you're not really doing these kids a favor when they actually get done with their career at like, what, 30? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you're completely doing a disservice. Yeah. Trust me, if, if it was my way, I, there's some things I would change. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere close <laughs> to having any kind of power in that regard. So I will just casually do my conversation. And when I get on my soapbox, I just try to keep it as clean and loud as I can. Yeah, <laughs> that's very good. Um, but as far as the merch though, uh, how did you design your t-shirts and where did that idea come from? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I had an idea in my head the entire time. And my wife, who does graphic design for for uh, a living, she she took the design and she out of my head and made it perfect. Like mm-hmm. I told her what I wanted, and, and to a T, she did it for the sounding off shirts and for the golden goose shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so for me, it was you know I live in Peru and Mojo lives in Peru, but we're doing this all out of Kokomo. 
So we had to do something to kind of start, you know, we're our own marketing team. Gorilla Marketing 101, man. We've been talking about shirts for months. Mm-hmm. And finally, we got everything set up. My wife did so much legwork on that. And we finally pulled the trigger. We did a pre-order system. Uh, we, we, we had some pretty decent success with it. Uh, I, I, I had, I, I don't want to say I expected more. I only expected more because of what people told me. I got a buddy out in Utah who wears it. I'm getting ready to send one to Pearlman out in California. So we're, we're, we're trying to grow where we can. No, that's great. And they look really good, too. I do like the one of you guys' faces. That's a really good one. I do appreciate that. And, you know, you you brought up a good point to me. And when, when I designed these shirts, I designed them with, like, what I wanted in mind. You came to me about the uh, Moron on the back. You're like, hey, man, if you ever do a shirt without the Moron on the back, let me know. And we're actually going to do that. Sometime cool. in the next month or two, yes, we're going to reopen because I've had numerous people ask me about that. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, you know, I'm a man of the people. <laughs> so I know in the next couple, in the in the next month or two, we're gonna reopen it, and um, you'll, the 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 red and blue shirts will be available without the motor on the back, and we'll have kid sizes. Oh well, hey, there you go. I'm, well, put me down for several then, because you know, I'm sure eventually I'll do something that'll earn me more Moron of the week. Uh, you know, <laughs> but but I haven't. I don't think I've reached that level quite yet, based on the ones you've picked. So you know, right. maybe when maybe when I do some make a huge boner in my life, I'll I'll, I'll get that one. But for now, I, I like it without. It, so. I, I I get it, man. And I'll tell you what, that Moron of the week, that's probably one of my favorite things we've come up with, and oh, it has funny. been tremendous. Yeah, I, like it. I want to know when Rob Burgess is dropping some merch i know that's see i this is why i'm asking you i'm you see now the, the student has become the master because now i'm like <laughs> whoa like look at all this stuff he's doing you need to step your game up this is why i'm doing the skype i gotta i gotta shake it up i gotta do something different you know i gotta give i gotta give it you know like you said it's walking advertising for one thing you know because oh, sure. when people walk around they ask about it and then they want to know and you know it's it's you know it's spreading the word organically. You don't have a huge marketing team. You have to do what you have to do to to get the word out. And it's yeah, I, I got to do that, man. But uh, maybe I can talk to your wife about that. <laughs> I need some new graphic designing or something. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And you know it's been really cool. Uh, everybody got their shirts, and then they send me pictures wearing them. I post it all over the Instagram. I post it on the Twitter. I post it on the Facebook. I mean, it, it, it's cool. I, and I, I love the support. Everybody mm-hmm. who's uh, been so gracious to, to support the show and everything they've done. But, yeah, definitely need to get some Rob Burgess merch. I need to rock around with uh, wearing oh. uh, some of that stuff. Yeah, I know. Seriously, it's, it's wild. But, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I uh, I haven't talked to you since you graduated from college, man. Congratulations. I mean, I talked to you a little bit, but I haven't talked to you on this show. It's it's, uh, it's a big accomplishment, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, it, it took forever, but I finally got it. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But, you know, what are you going to do with it now? Now that you're, you know, you're you're a college grad and you've got your degree, man, what, what's going on? Well, you know, I'm still I'm grinding with the podcast and doing mm-hmm. the show and everything like that. Uh, obviously, the dream would be to do kind of like sports radio or have some sort of weekly or a, a daily show in that regard. But I've also learned that there's very little money in radio. True. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So I'm just trying to kind of. You know, I currently have got a sales job, which isn't terrible. It does me okay. Uh, I'm using that degree in that regard to kind of work on my skills with people, which uh, it's been very helpful. So mm-hmm. I, I'm continuing to do uh, the sales job all while growing the show as a side project. And if someday it ever comes down to where the show can be my job, then so be it. Well, man. Well, hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I haven't to ask you about here. Oh, yeah, I haven't asked you this. What music have you been listening to lately? Um, you know, a lot of people probably uh, aren't aren't a big fan of it, but the uh, the Kamikaze Eminem album, uh, I, I've got that. 
I, I, I pop uh, that, that pretty regularly in my work truck when I'm driving around. Um, I've got the Carter 5. Mm. Um, trying to think. I, I've kind of gone a little old school. I just added uh, some Journey to my playlist, uh, mm-hmm. some, some Summer of 69, Brian Adams. Nice. I've just kind of my, – my genre is kind of all over the place uh, as far as my Google Play goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about yourself? Right. Well, it's it's bounced all around for me. Actually, I've been listening to the Beastie Boys a lot lately because I'm dying to read the book they just put out. So I've been oh, revisiting wow. my childhood with that. But, yeah, no, I, I need to get back into Eminem because I kind of fell off. And then you told me about that new album. Uh, you, you you seem to think it's as good as his old stuff. So I'm, I'm you know, interested in that. So. Revival was mixed. It was mixed reviews. But I'm telling you what, man, uh, Kamikaze's good. Cool. It, 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 it's back. It's got a couple of tracks that I skip. I'm not gonna lie, but as a whole, there's a lot of tracks I bump on the truck in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think if you're any kind of real hip hop fan, you've you've got to recognize Eminem's skill and talent. Like it, it's just there. Like anybody that says it is just a hater, and they're not they're not recognizing what's in front of them. I think. <laughs> well, in the same way, you know, you got you got Lil Wayne and Eminem who both put albums out this summer, mm-hmm. and you know the Carter Five. Is it his best work? No, but it's some of his better work in the last few years, and uh, it, it's definitely worth. I'm not saying go out and buy it, but if you've got any kind of streaming service, you know, check out the Carter mm-hmm. Five. Right. Well, I mean, it can't all be, you know, th- th- these these are people that had hot streaks. And I think people always want to judge you by your hot streak or whatever, because right. like back in like 10 years ago, Lil Wayne dedication mixtape series and, you know, the Carter oh two God. and three. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like that was that was going crazy. Like I, I even had an iPod engraved with the the Carter. Like, you know, I was like I was I was all about that, you know, but it was like, you know, you can't keep that up forever. And, you know, people always want to judge you by that. And it's like, no, they're still just because they're not like burning hot right now. It's like they're still doing good work. Like if they just done this work, you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> You know? Well, not to mention the game changes. I mean, sure. these guys have been in the game for 15, oh, yeah. 20 years now. I mean, they're not going to rap about the same stuff 20 years oh, ago I know. now. I mean, it's different. Well, Lil, Lil Wayne was in the Hot Boys when he was 12. I mean, you know, he's got to switch it up. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah, he's done some stints in uh, Rikers Island since then. I mean, yeah. he's got a different point. He's got a different perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been through some things. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what's – uh? but you, you mentioned a little bit about what's next for the podcast. But what's your what, – what are you going to do, man? What's next? Uh, I'm going to keep grinding, man. 2019, I'm really excited for it. We're going full – we're going full go with the interviews. Uh, I, I'm not – I'm not too hesitant. I'm still trying to reach out to people. Uh, we did the whole uh, 31 days of book thing uh, for Ian Book and Notre Dame. A lot of people really dug that. It's so much got like uh, uh, subscription-based stuff up in South Bend. We're tweeting about it. They're like, this is really creepy, and we had to explain to them what it was, and people thought it was genius. Um, we're, we're just trying to grow, and we're just trying to you know put out quality stuff. It's it's way different than we did it in the basement, and to be honest, I'm much more happier doing it now than we did in the basement. For mm-hmm. one, because it's easy to just kind of have no filter and do whatever, but I feel like there's a lot of things like that anymore, mm-hmm. and that I don't know if the shelf life for that is has has real longevity. So we try to be smart about it. We try to have smart humor. We try to be enjoyable. We try to be different. Uh, we try to do the interviews differently and have good questions. Uh, and as long as these kids want to keep coming on, man, that that's what I'm going for. And hopefully uh, I start doing something with sponsors. Um, and, and if you're ever uh, make your way up to the Kokomo area, I need to get you in studio and pick your brain. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. Well, uh, let's go back a little bit. Uh, we didn't mention this uh, 31 Days of Book. You mentioned this. This was very funny to me. 
Okay, well, Mojo, as we're being huge Notre Dame fans, uh, Ian Book was switched to quarterback after like the third or fourth game of the season. Mojo wasn't sold on it, and I go, and he goes, if he beats these next two games, you know, I'll tweet him. I go, oh no, no, no. I go, you will tweet him 31 straight days. <laughs> and so that's what we did, and it was so much fun. And uh, I like finally at towards the end, uh, Ian Book did see some. Uh, because Mojo's fiance tweeted at Ian Book. She's like, hey, you need to give these guys some love for what they did. And he <laughs> liked something or retweeted something. So we know a lot of people. We reached out to, um, I think it was somebody, like one of the reporters who covers uh, Notre Dame and South Bend. We tried to maybe see about getting an interview, getting like a piece done on it, but nothing really came to fruition mm-hmm. with that. But a lot of people liked it. You know, it, it got to the point, there were a lot of retweets from people that we didn't really expect. And it is it picked up some steam towards the end. Probably that last uh, 10 days had a lot of steam. And I, I kept telling Mojo, I was like, you got to monitor the creepy factor. And I mm-hmm. think you did a stupendous job with that. Oh, yeah. It definitely got creepier as it went on. And uh, that was probably good because if you, if, you, if you let it go all at the beginning – you know, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that he's, he's going to block you, you know, like, oh, you yeah. got to work up great. to it, you know, <laughs> he did great. He slow played it so well. And I think, <laughs> you know, every day, like he was like, I think I helped him with one tweet. Other than that, uh-huh. he did it all on his own. And, uh, <laughs> I, that's, that's my co-host right there, man. That, that's uh-huh. what he does. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like you guys get yourself into these situations where you're like, well, if they do this, I'm going to do this. And then they do it. And you're like, oh, I got to do it. <laughs> you know, like, because you know what, Rob? It's for content, man. It's content. That's what you got to do. You got to start putting out something like, you know, oh, if the Republicans decided to finally impeach Trump, I'll get a tattoo. Like, those are the things you got to do, man. Hey, you got to put it I, out there. All right. I think we just said it right now. I'm going to get a tattoo if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> a big old back piece. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, man, thanks for jumping on the Skype here. I appreciate it. And we'll have to have you back here soon. Uh, this has been a ton of fun. So I appreciate it. I always enjoy talking to you uh, real quick. You know, shout out to Mojo, obviously. And Jessica Green, you know, she uh, she's the station. Uh, she's the program manager at Z92.5. She's the one who gave me the shot to go in the studio. I haven't let her down yet, and she keeps letting me do my thing. So shout out to those people, and especially you, Rob. I appreciate you reaching out and let me come on. Cool. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good night. Hey, you too, buddy. Thanks.
If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. And if you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Until next time.